Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is about the 1931 film Dracula, directed by Todd Browning and written by Bram Stoker, Hamilton Dean, and John L. Balderston. If you'd like to learn more about the movie discussed this evening, please visit our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, for show notes. And after the spooky music, we'll talk about the movie in full, so be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we own horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the OG, the daddy of all monster movies, the 1931 Dracula. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary, my co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? So, I only finished this movie like 25 minutes ago. Did they really fucking kill Dracula off screen? I'm yeah. still processing Dracula did not actually get a death scene. That and then Van Helsing follows it up by saying Dracula is definitely dead now forever. <laughs> no questions asked. Also leave now. I need to go do stuff down here. Don't worry about it. And the cinnamon roll Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Swad Lake, though. Like, <laughs> Swan Lake is the Dracula theme, everybody. Who knew? Much cheaper than writing a new one. Yeah, you know, Darren Aronofsky bringing it around. Swan Lake was a vampire story. I mean, I guess everything looks cheap compared to Francis Ford Coppola's mad ambition and greater budget. I feel like the word gauche is applicable. Yeah, I think that the, uh, I wouldn't call it. Turns out I'm a gaudy motherfucker. <laughs> Grip Circus Dracula is gauche compared to this movie, but somehow still within the same spectrum of little bats on sticks. Like, Bram Stoker's Dracula is gauche compared to the Palace at Versailles. Like, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> it's just the level of gauche it is. It is a Rococo film. Yeah. Got some great old school style, like, Mad background paintings, though, like some yeah. gorgeous mountains and castles they painted. It yeah. looks like it's Gustave Doré. Like it looks like Gustave Doré painted, or I mean, those were etchings, or I should I say, wood engravings or metal engravings, depending on the, the image. But um, I well, you would don't have been really know. To put up a wood engraving behind your. Uh, you could say it's engraved into any material, and I would believe you. <laughs> the. Time in which this film was made, I have a lot of respect because this is like so early in the talkies, you know? Literally the studio's first talkie they released. And this is the era before Zoom. And I'm not talking about the Zoom that we're talking on right now. I'm talking about Zoom of a camera because close-ups. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm incredibly wrong. Those? It was just the first sound film. Of Dracula movie released by the studio. My incredible <laughs> mistake. Because uh, Nosferatu was a silent film. If yes. I, yes. I believe so. Yes. But also, I've proven myself incredibly wrong in everything already today, so don't fucking listen to me. <laughs> well, on that note, you're doing the recap. I am so doing the recap. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is... This will be fun. This is the capstone of our Dracula. We've we've watched a lot of Dracula stories, and it turns out, with the exception of Rockula, there tends to be overlapping story elements. So let's Overlap. dive into this. Overlapping? You know, there's always a Jonathan and Amina or Jonathan Mina type. Yes. It's good on the Hammer films for making it a formula instead of just continuously adapting one novel, which I feel like would be a good defense. But hey, they just kept churning out them Christopher Lee films. Yeah, it's the expanded universe. So, okay. But the OG, the granddaddy, Bela Lugosi, Dracula, 1931. Uh, not to be confused with Bela Lugosi when he was Dracula on Broadway, which was earlier. We start out on Renfield being just a weird little twink. He's traveling through Transylvania to meet Dracula for business, 
And it's real weird that Dracula exists in a world where people don't know that Dracula is Dracula. So Dracula's going around being, oh, hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Dracula. And everyone's like, cool, nice to meet you. We have no cultural context for that name. Anyway, Dracula's castle is real cool and also a dope background painting. And there are armadillos. I don't know why, but good for them armadillos. Renfield gets wined and dined and then just sort of passes out because he was roofied or Dracula did a bad hypnosis. Anyway, smash cut to the next scene and he's totally crazy and eating bugs now. To quote Anchorman, that escalated real fast. Uh, Renfield and Dracula travel by boat to London where Dracula does that whole thing where he kills the crew and Renfield just gives the most bugged out bonkers eyes. And meanwhile, Dracula's now in London doing... I, I I don't know. I never I never understand why Dracula goes to London. It's never clear to me. I don't know why he gets tired of eating Transylvanian people. He's just there to, I guess, do Dracula stuff. He's too old for spicy food. Real estate. Yeah, he, he goes to the opera. He creeps on his neighbors. This is also where we get Mina and Jonathan Harker. If you've heard our last few recaps, they're here to do the boring straight white british people stuff also lucy's in this movie for a scene and then dracula kills her but she doesn't have a harem and there's no wolves or blood or blood explosions this time so boo she doesn't turn into a vampire nobody turns into a vampire in this movie other than dracula okay well we can get into that there is apparently a white lady going around violently attacking and killing children in a scene we do not see but we do get somebody reading it to a description of it to us in a newspaper. Well, it's it's a le- white lady, yes. Also, she is in white. Definite shades of Night of the Living Dead. And then Ben was like, yeah, and then I hijacked a tanker and it exploded and there was just a million zombies there. Trust me, bro. All this super high budget stuff. I, I just did it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so uh, big shades of that. Anyway. After that, we finally get to the real big swing and dick of this movie and his crazy flat top haircut, Dr. Van motherfucking Helsing. And he is on top of this. He knows what's going on. Renfield being bonker pants. He's got it. Mina getting bit by a vampire. He's on top of it. Him and Dracula. Oh, you best believe they got a vibe. It's by far the best scenes of the movie. Him and Dracula are playing this whole game of cat and mouse with one another to like prove that Dracula's a vampire, but they're also just like complimenting each other. And like Ben Helsing's just doing like the sassiest poses, and yes. Dracula's doing this whole fucking BDSM mind control, but Ben Helsing's being a brat. Like fucking, I could, I could do like another hour of like Van Helsing and Dracula just soon derating each other. We have to specify in this case. BDSM stands for being dead sounds magnificent because Dracula also is like dying sounds rad at one point. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Dracula does not get the sad boy backstory in this movie. He's just here being Dracula. He doesn't get yeah. any backstory in this movie. There is no rhyme or reason for why he's doing it. He is just like a natural constant of the universe. Meanwhile, Edward Van Sloan, who's playing Van Helsing, looks like a fucking psychopath. He looks like a mad scientist from the first time he shows up. Yes. I feel like if you didn't know the story of this, you'd be like, well, now we have a crazy guy fighting a murderer. Like, I know it's 1931 and he like already looks like elderly. He looks like he'd be ready to like re-enlist back up to fight the Germans in World War II like a decade <laughs> later still. Like that's how crazy fucking hardcore Van Helsing looks in this movie. It's great. Yeah. Anyway, yada yada yada. Mina is turning into a vampire. Jonathan is a big dummy who can't tell he's also kind of being dumped. Uh Van Helsing's got a plan to lock down the house, but it doesn't work and he can't stop Dracula from taking Mina away into the night. Uh, Renfield escapes, which is just kind of a running gag throughout the movie. Renfield just being like, hi, I'm here in your asylum slash house. What's up? It's great. It's a, this movie's got slapstick. It's fun. Renfield then leads Van Helsing and Jonathan to Dracula as hiding spot with Mina. Dracula gets real pissed and kills Renfield by making him fall down literally all the stairs of a comically large staircase. And you just watch it and you just hope they're not going to cut away and he's just going to keep falling. And he does. Not OSHA compliant. And then it's time to end the movie where they just find Dracula's coffin. 
stake him with no problems off screen. Mm. A thing which, again, I'm still fucking processing. Or, you know, it's pretty easy to write the fanfic where he screams for another sexy reason. And in, given the ending is just Van Helsing going like, okay, Mina and Jonathan, you go up and do your straight white Christian British stuff. I'm going to go down and keep chilling here with Dracula's body for, uh, anyway, get on out of here. The end. I'm going to go down hmm. and stay down. Oh. Hey. Yeah, they, they end on them going up the staircase. And it's like, yes, it's a real weird choice. It's interesting to me because uh, I, I was telling you guys a little bit of this beforehand. There are two versions of this film and they're both on my DVD, which I had a DVD of this movie for, for those antique collectors out there. And when you when you load up my DVD, it has an option of Dracula or Dracula in Spanish. I hope that's the name of it. Is that the official name? Yeah. Is the official name Dracula in Spanish? I yes. hope it is. It is an entirely different film. The thing about it is they have a whole different cast, a Spanish-speaking cast, rather than dubbing or subbing any of this stuff. And they were filming it simultaneously with this movie. They had the English-speaking cast there during the day. And then when filming was over, the English-speaking cast would leave. At about 8 p.m., the Spanish-speaking cast would come in and film through the night. Separate director, separate cast. It's got the same script, but in some ways it's wildly different in ways that like are difficult to understand. One of the things being that at the end of the film, as Mina and Jonathan are walking up the stairs, Van Helsing says, you guys go ahead. I promised Renfield I'd bury him, so I got to take care of that. Because Renfield is worried that because of everything he's done, if he dies, that he's just going to go to hell. English Van Helsing is like kicking him down into hell. Like, you don't give a fuck. As they walk up the stairs, he's like standing over Renfield's body in the Spanish one. So the Spanish one might be better. They included a little interview with it where the Mina, whose name is Eva in the Spanish version, was like, yes, I was very surprised when I saw the English language version. Because uh, they had her very covered up in, in their version. And I had very sexy, like, low-cut dresses and everything. Especially once, you know, she gets bitten. We should um, have watched the Spanish version. Yeah, I kind of want to do a whole episode on the Spanish well, version now. There's a whole scene where it's like Mina is being half-vampire. And she's luring Jonathan out. And, like, Jonathan is just being like, Mina, oh my, like, I've never seen you like this. What's become of, like, what's come over you? And Mina is just looking like she has actual lust in her eyes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Britain. Yeah, like, I, that, well, that says everything about that fucking relationship is just, like, Jonathan being completely oblivious to the look of love, or of, of, like, legitimate lust in a woman. Yeah, Jonathan is a, a, a card, as they would say, in this version of London where everyone has a transatlantic accent. Except for Martin. We need to talk about... Oh my god, yes. Please let us talk about Martin. Is Martin in the Spanish version? So Martin is the, the guard, yes? The... He's an orderly yes. at yeah. the sanatorium, which they do specify is next to Carfax Abbey. Like, that's, that is in the book, that is in the canon. I do love how Dracula's plan is to move in right next door to these people and before killing everyone, just ingratiating him as this charming foreign neighbor with the wacky accent who just pops in like a fucking sitcom neighbor. Yeah, he really does. And especially it was kind of a sitcom moment where they were like, who is doing all this? And then the maid announces him and is like, Count Dracula. Fucking amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And okay, so Martin, let's go back to Martin. He's very yes. important. He and I share a name. Wow. Yeah. Spanish Dracula is a snack. So, yeah, so anyway. Martin has one of two glorious mustaches in this movie. The other one belonging to the, the man who tries to get Renfield not to go to the castle at the beginning. There's a yes. wonderful Eastern European <laughs> giant mustache. The, that guy, first of all, okay, holding off on Martin now because I need to talk about that guy. You brought him up, Jeremy. We have to talk about him because he at the get-go of this movie is like yo they're vampires they're vampires that suck your blood your blood and they do bats and wolves and dracula's up there he's a vampire and he does like he's gonna he's so angry about renfield that he's gonna go on transylvania fox news and be like it's a war on walpurgis day yeah walpurgis <laughs> night walpurgis night yeah transylvania's third worst holiday listen in my household we all know about walpurgis not for two 
reasons. One, it is Witch's Night. That is what the name means. Well, I should say it is April 30th. So the night before Beltane, which is, you know, the, the, these days we know it as the fucking Let's holiday. Let's pretend I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it is the fucking holiday for pagans. Nice. But the night before is like fire and shit holiday. It's kind of like spring Halloween. That makes sense. Fire also gets me horny. Yeah, right? I probably shouldn't admit, I probably shouldn't say that on a public podcast. Last time I talked about a my thought form energy ghost, so don't worry about it. So like the other thing that we know about about Walpurgisnacht is that is when the biggest witch ever comes to town and only Madoka can defeat it by becoming a god. And that is from Puella Magi or Madoka Magica, which I assume you all have seen because it's, you know, important. Anyway, sure. that's my recommendation for this. If that's the next birthday podcast, I might quit this show, y'all. Don't. <laughs> Listen, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I good, love because that. you got to watch that shit. But yeah, the the I'm not going to make you watch it for it's, it's a whole series. The Hungarian guy straight up tells Renfield everything that is going on and then. You know, everything that the guy said would happen happens to Renfield. Renfield's like, but I have business with money yeah. up there. Yeah, I want to go and meet this guy on the crossroads at midnight because there's nothing sussy about that. Right. Like just Renfield surprised me because he's just so like nebbish. And then like once he turns, he's just like he gets it. He gets like this whole talky thing. He is he, he is one of the early pioneers in scene chewery. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he is he is putting his all into this. Interestingly, he's got the whole like German expressionist, like crazy shit going on. Like he's he's in that cabinet with Dr. Caligari. And apparently like the whole German expressionist thing is typified by the uh, the haircut where they wax the hair back and then just shake it a bunch. And that's where we get the goth look. So this in goth history we wear the black makeup because it makes us look like silent film stars. And that's where it comes from. Anyway, Martin. Yes. Yes. We made, we got our way back to Martin. Hell yeah. Martin is the orderly at the sanitarium next door to the Abbey, which is next door to the house. They're all, they're all right next to each other. So Martin has a, an incredible mustache and uh, is in a completely different movie than the rest of these characters. He is having a full on slapstick comedy where he locks up this crazy guy every night, and every night this crazy guy finds a way to get out, and he has to chase him down and take him on back. And it's not like a vicious or violent relationship. It's more like adult hide-and-seek. Yes. <laughs> it's great. The rapport between Martin and Renfield, it's the stuff like great Looney Tunes are made of. And Martin also has my favorite scene, which is where Dracula has flown away as a bat, and he is out there trying to shoot the bat out of the sky with the uh, maid from the house. And Ben Helsing is like, Martin, what are you doing? And he's like, there's a big fucking bat out here. I'm trying to shoot it. And he's like, don't bother. You won't harm that bat with a gun. <laughs> Martin's like, all right. And so the maiden is like, she's like, I think he's crazy. He's like, I think all of you are crazy. Everybody except you and me. And I'm not sure about you. Yes. And then he straight up Homer Simpson backup walks into a into like yes. the darkness. He's an orderly. And, you know, this is 1931. This is the time when this when you have the sanatorium, which is basically like mental health hasn't gotten much better. But at least these days, the orderlies don't call you a loony and be like, oi, you're crazy. What? And just like it all sounds so much nicer with a cartoonishly cockney accent. The difference yep. between the sanatorium in this movie and the sanatorium in Bram Stoker's Dracula, where all of the guards wear giant boxes on their heads and it's just wet and rat filled all the time. It's a huge difference. This is a yes. movie where an, an insane asylum patient breaks out and like just breaks into the doctor's like daughter's bedroom and everyone's reaction is like, Oh, Renfield, did you get out again? Big Marmaduke energy. Renfield always caused him. Yeah, he definitely like pops into the middle of one of the scenes in their house, like knock, knock. It would be so easy to add a laugh track to this movie. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm surprised that someone hasn't done it, but like, if they have oh, it, oh. the scene where Dracula's trying to like telling Van Helsing to come and he's resisting. Like, I'm sorry, like, you could play that in a lot of ways, but you could also absolutely put, like, a laugh track behind it. That scene is, is fantastic in the English version. It's even better in the Spanish version because 
The Spanish Dracula's version is his eyes bug out and he puts up his hand like he's about to do a high five to him and holds it in front of his face like he's controlling him. Yeah, the submit to my dark power. Yeah. Well, I do like the, I appreciate the English version, especially in my reading, because it seems like Dracula is trying to like attract him just through sheer like sexual magnetism. <laughs> and it's all, and it's kind of working. I cannot get enough of Van Helsing just like, side turned like hand on hip cocked out being like what up dracula we're playing mind games we're like de niro and pacino and heat dracula is that van helsing in this image that you've shared yes with me? The spanish van helsing looks distinctly like eugene levy they're really <laughs> yeah oh my god i had no idea how much i need eugene levy to play van helsing oh my now. god i would really be into that it would really be great this this version of Dracula is much shorter on characters than the Francis well, Ford Coppola one. I'm, I'm oh, way yeah. more into that because a Eugene Levy Van Helsing means Catherine O'Hara Dracula. Oh, my God. I'd be into that. that oh, my great. God. Like, tell yes. me there's anyone Catherine O'Hara, you cast Catherine O'Hara as, as anyone but fucking real deal Dracula. I mean, she's basically played Dracula in a number of films. Definitely going to have to go revisit Dracula, though. When the fucking Nicholas Hout Renfield movie comes out with Nicholas Cage as Dracula. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Holy wild. fuck. Oh, just thinking about it. I'm just like, oh, yeah. We also got to do the menu at some point. There's a bunch of Nicholas Hout films to cover. Good for you, Nicholas Hout. You're doing the little horror game. For real. For real. Okay, so Martin. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm sorry. No, it's okay, because we've talked about Martin. We've honestly said what there is to say about Martin. Just that he's amazing. He's fantastic. He's the only person in this movie set in London that has a British accent. And it is played for laughs. Like, he's, because he's got, oh, I'm Cockney man, and I'm just simple. Again, he is in a slapstick cartoon. Yeah, and he can't seem to watch Renfield, even though everyone's like, don't you take your eyes off Renfield because he might be out there Jack the Rippering on the streets. He does feel like the movie is intentionally using him for like comic relief and to like glighten some tension. Yeah. This is not a what the fuck is this weird character being here? Like this is a character that was created for a specific reason in the film and was executed very well. Yeah. And he, I, we should mention because this movie is in 1931. Yeah, Dracula has an off-screen death. There's a lot of things that are... This was pre-code, though. They could have fucking staked him through the heart. They could have, but... I, I watched don't... Scarface, like, fucking the 20 Scarface. They killed people all the fucking time. Don't tell me they couldn't kill people on screen back then. Yes. However, <laughs> still trying to... I mean, Amazon told me this movie was downbeat. I think that that's valid, especially when it comes to classic horror cinema it's about an atmosphere there was a lot of screaming yeah we could probably have had more on-screen deaths and like maybe fewer bats on strings no okay that i will fight you vehemently <laughs> okay on. there were either the exact right amount of bats on strings or not enough bats on strings okay well then apparently you can't have one or you can't have both it's either bats on strings or on-screen deaths that big flappy ass bat yeah fucking flawless amazing can i like no that's absolutely the kind of thing though like a i really like it from a campy point of view like it's very fun to me but I, that's the kind of thing where i'll also give the movie just like a lot of wiggle room just for like for being 1931 where it's like okay you are figuring out how movies work how to do any of this yeah Nobody up until now, except for Nosferatu, probably had to deal with, like, will we legitimately need bats to play a large role in the plot of the movie? How the fuck do we put a bat and get it to do what we want to do in right. any kind of way that's recognizable or controllable with our 1931 film technology and knowledge? We can't use a Zoom. There's no such thing as Zoom. Yeah. yeah. They could not take an actual, like, bat and just tie a GoPro to that little fucker, which is what I assume you would do today. I don't know how movies work. The one thing about this movie is that at 75 minutes, it feels really long. Oh, my God. Yes. This is the longest hour 15 movie, and yet it feels like it's skipping over everything. Yeah, its pacing yeah. is quite deliberate. I don't know if it was just an age thing or what, but Bella Lugosi's, like, 
I understand the rate of his talking. It's, you know, maybe a little more difficult. It's not always his native language. He has a very heavy accent. But like even just walking down the street, it's like step. But that step. accent is great. Yeah. Like yes. that's the accent that would become the ubiquitous universal Dracula voice for the next literal 90 years. Anytime he's talking, and it's the same for Christopher Lee, like it's great. But also, again, like you talk about deliberate pacing, how much of this movie is spent in total silence with just a light shining right in Bella Lugosi's eyes? That's the effects. Like that's their effects. It's just focus and, you know, that deliberate pacing, deliberate action. It is very theatrical that way because it is basically, I mean, as far as I know, it's the play, but a movie, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, brought straight from the stage i mean that's bill lugosi wanted to be he wanted to replicate his success from the stage so much that he got paid peanuts for this he got paid 500 dollars a week which was a tiny fraction of what manners was making for turning in a really mediocre performance as as uh, also again yeah he succeeded this is a performance that has gone on to define a cultural touchstone for a it hasn't quite been a century, but it sure as shit will be soon. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of his lines in this movie. Dracula doesn't talk a ton, but all of his lines are like, you've heard this version of this delivery over yes. and over. Like, it's so ubiquitous. Like, the way he says, the children of the night. Fucking iconic. What beautiful music they make. Like, it's... I don't drink wine yes now i do like the coppola reading of i don't drink wine much better because he says i don't drink wine whereas gary oldman says i don't drink why (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing is that like this is a little skipping ahead to recommend like what i recommend it's like i very much appreciate this movie and i totally understand like that it gave us the foundational dracula like mythos and lore and rules and you know just the general vibeness and perception to him but i guess it having watched bram stoker's dracula and 1931 dracula essentially back to back like i can't really see myself revisiting 31 the way i can very easily see myself revisiting 92 yeah it's like we were saying and i know uh, they're so different but fuck it at the end of the day i'm here in 2022 being a judgy podcast prick no, I mean, at an hour 15, like we said, this one is sparse. There's a lot of yeah. nothing in the bits of this movie. And I don't mean that as a criticism. It's just, like we said, the way it was paced. It's not even like a tight hour 15. Yeah. Whereas, like, we were talking about the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula just has shit on shit on shit on shit on yeah. shit. Like, there's so many things going on in that movie. And there's it's so banana pants at points that it's I... like, I rewatch it just to show it to Alicia. <laughs> And like, there's nothing about this one. Like, you could very easily find five minutes of clips of Bela Lugosi talking and get everything from it than that you're going to get from this. I, I do appreciate his, like the shots of his eyes. They're very iconic. Like this, everything about Bela Lugosi's performance in this is literally iconic. It created an icon in in ways that Gary Oldman's don't necessarily. His are are big and campy. His choices. I feel like what's most iconic about Gary Oldman is not to say in any way he did a bad job. He did not. He did an excellent job. But I feel like what was most iconic about his Dracula were the outfits. I mean, that was pretty uh, most of the movie was iconic. The outfits and the hair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that drip. I mean, only Gary Oldman's Dracula is going around with like the long flowing locks and the little John Lennon glasses and the big top hat. Just looking fucking suave as hell and also like you would fit in the cast of wild wild west (laughs) this i keep wondering if this movie was supposed to be contemporary if the 31 dracula i think it was like i don't think this was a period piece i think this was a movie meant to take place in the early 1930s yes because like at first i thought okay maybe but then they got all the like the electric equipment and like van helsing's kind of operating table looks a lot more modern than anything else so i do think this movie is supposed to be contemporary to its release yeah and lucy is flapping it she is super like flapper style short hair oh yeah rocking it up i mean it is weird 
seeing a movie that was meant to be set in modern day that's just so long ago now that it's like retroactively a period piece. Yeah, There's so much less great. about this Lucy to talk about. She appears in so little of this movie. And unfortunate, yes. But she's into what Dracula's selling. She's like, yeah, Dracula fucking take me away to your weird ass castle full of wolves. I want to be Countess Dracula. Let's do it. Which side of my neck is it easier to bite? Yeah. How about all of it? Yeah, she is super down to clown. And like this Lucy, yeah, she's not in it, but there's no she doesn't have a harem, as you said. Uh there's no Arthur Homewood, there's no Quincy Morris. Dr. Seward is Mina's dad, which is a change. That's a that's a bit of a change, yes, but but I'm glad that there's no tension between Seward and Lucy. Dracula shows up while they're at the opera because he can't fucking wait, and he's like, "Hey guys, what's up? It's me. I'm your new neighbor." And he's talking about death and how great it would be to be dead. And Lucy's like, "Yeah, death," and she's super goth. It's terrible how little Lucy we get because once again she is like by far like one of the best characters yeah Yeah. john sucks somehow even more in this movie john sucks so much more okay less mediocre and more just straight up shitty yeah okay this though brings me to my favorite scene in the movie it's when mina is trying to explain that she can't have jonathan touch her or kiss her anymore and they can't be together And it definitely feels like a coming out scene, even though it's definitely in context, way more like STD metaphor and like symbolism. But it's great because Mina turns to Van Helsing is like, make him understand. Please break up with my boyfriend for me. And Van Helsing just gets up and leaves. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. It's great. Van Helsing's like, I'm not into this drama. God. It's fantastic. He doesn't say a word. He just gets up and walks the fuck off frame. I don't know if that was in the script, but I loved it. This is after the whole situation with Dracula not showing up in the mirror or saying that he doesn't like mirrors. Van Helsing is like trying to like play Dracula with the mirrors. And then he basically, Dracula explains to like the whole party of people in the room being like, I don't like mirrors. Van Helsing will tell you why. And then just fucking Mike drops out of there. Yeah, it's like, did he want to, like, was he just, like, being like, okay, the game is up? Or was he trying to reverse it or being like, I don't like mirrors, which you all know, which we, Van Helsing, why are you bringing mirrors when you know I don't like them? What a, everyone be mad at Van Helsing instead of me. I mean, there is a kind of weird undertone here, even though. More weird undertones of- between Van Helsing and Dracula? Well, that's moving. I'm just talking about the movie in general. Okay, there's, yeah. There's a kind of weird undertone of, yeah, everybody's fucking nuts. I mean, just imagine being Martin. You're just going about doing your job, and then, like, this weird doctor who came to visit just yells at you being like, guns won't help. That bat is bulletproof. I mean... What, what the fuck would your reaction be? He's very Martin is very relatable. But there's also a line... That Van Helsing says that Dracula's power is in that no one believes in vampires. I also wrote that down. That's a great line. Yeah. That's a legitimately awesome line. Yeah. And so I feel like the whole thing with Dracula being like, yeah, tell them I'm a vampire. See how they'll take it is that kind of challenge. Dracula's very existence is just so fucking crazy that he can do whatever the hell he wants. There's definitely a class undertone here as well. What? Again, like the part of the of any Dracula story that so often completely baffles me, except for Bram Stoker's, which again they forward Coppola's, which honestly the whole romance reincarnation gives him an actual motivation partway through the movie at least. But like Dracula, like what was your plan? You were going to move in, kill your next door neighbors. Like, hey, have you not heard of don't shit where you eat? But like, what was the plan? Like. After all of your super rich neighbors are dead and people are like, hey, weird foreign guy who just moved in. What's up? Was he planning on just being like, I think you should leave hot dog costume guy. Like, we're all trying to find who did this. In Transylvania, everybody knew he was a fucking vampire. Everybody knew to carry around crosses and stuff. Nobody believes in vampires in London. They had Wolfsbane all over the place. 
Yeah. They're big on the Wolfsbane in this one. Not so much and garlic. They're, 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 they're old school. I guess that would be the only real explanation we have is just that everyone's just onto fucking Dracula shit over in Transylvania. And they all yeah. got, like, everyone just fucking crossed and Wolfbane's up that he's just got to go to a totally new place. Yeah. And just like, you know, Dracula's killed two of my uncles and a couple of cousins. Like, you know, he's starting <laughs> to get smart to things. And the first thing that Dracula does when he arrives in London is he just takes out a flower girl. Yes, that's just some classic Dracula killing. That's but it's some Dracula it, being Dracula. It's classic Dracula killing, but they, I, especially that's in how deliberate this movie is, the class sentiments, the class statements are very, like, clear. The fact that he immediately preys upon... The poor people who won't be noticed. Yeah, the the yeah. poor people won't be noticed. But then he immediately to moves opera. on to rich people who definitely will be and are noticed. But they, in that case, he's seducing them. It's a different thing. Like, he gets Lucy because she, you know, she's like, hey, Dracula, please bite me. Please? You know? And there's there's nothing really... Like, in, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, there's a lot of to-do made out of his, like, all of his crazy supernatural powers, you know? And in this case, Dracula's just a really extra rich dude. Yeah, I mean... And he, me not at the beginning even is like, Lucy, that rich dude that you were talking to is really fucking extra. He really, he's really good at staring at people and making them do what he wants, but he doesn't even yeah. have to do that with Lucy, it seems like. Parker's like, yeah, that uh, Abby could be real nice if you got the property brothers in there, fix shit up. And Dracula's like, it reminds me of the ruined battlements of my homeland. And Lucy's like, don't let him ruin my battlements. That's like the whole conversation. And then, you know, they cut to that night and Mina going, yeah, I bet you want him to ruin your battlements. Lucy's like, shut up. Yeah, I do. But like, seriously, I do. He's so cool. I really want to do a version where Lucy is just so cool that it just Dracula, like Dracula and Lucy just run off and do crazy shit. Dracula and Lucy do hot girl stuff in London. There's no reason given for it to be Mina in this story. Like, Yeah, there's no reincarnation. He doesn't even seem particularly into Mina when they meet the first time. Like, honestly, like, Mina's kind of a dud. Lucy's way better in this movie. Yeah, I think that just Lucy, he went overboard with Lucy and just killed her. And with Mina, he's like, okay, so this is how much British people have blood. I'm going to drink the right amount. There's a lot of people dying in this movie. They all die off screen. Sometimes ridiculously, the whole bit with the ship is hilarious to me because first of all, they uh, just straight up cut a scene on the ocean from a silent film and stuck it into the middle of this and just fantastic voiceovered yes. it because you can tell it's at a different speed than the rest yes. of the movie. That that's are you working hard or working smart? And they have to illustrate that there's a bunch of dead people on the ship. They just like pan over the ground and some feet. And there's voiceovers of people going, "Minute, these guys sure are real fucking dead. <laughs> Look at how dead these guys are. Real dead in here." I mean, it's classic, except for maybe the uh, the montage element. It's pretty classic for some something that Again. is so directly taken from the stage. Nothing yeah. beats Martin for me. To, like him just reading out an entire horror short story <laughs> from a newspaper. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, the Lucy becoming the woman in white and, and like, killing children and stuff like that. And they talk about killing her. And Van Helsing's like, well, we that gets completely that. dropped from the movie. They don't they completely say, forget about Lucy. Yeah, they, they apparently that happened off screen, too, I guess, which, you know, unfortunate. But read the book. Or she's just alive lead, and Universal is just sitting on a Lucy the White Lady gold yeah. mine. Parentheses come up with a better title. <laughs> but not like that like, but not actually lucy the white lady but, you know but better yeah I, I just i mean obviously there's a lot of stuff with with class in here as far as like anything dealing with race in this movie it may be negative because you know we have this sort i mean of classic eastern european dracula that's here to steal all our women i'm not sure if this is like class or race but like i guess it's race but it's all european people but again, you do have this very Hungarian for like other who, while I don't believe it is a Star of David, does wear a vaguely Star of David shaped pendant, which don't think I didn't fucking clock that. Well, I think that, like, I mean, the, the pendant comes from like old 
European royalty, mainly turned turn of the century royalty. And it is a cross. It is a type of cross that he's wearing. It's just not a crucifix. That said, why does that matter? Who fucking came up with these fucking rules? I was hanging on by a thread about the week to cross stuff, and now it's only certain kinds of crosses? I mean, I don't know. Theoretically, it should have to be a sanctified item. Like, you know, crucifixes are blessed by the Catholic Church. So, like, that makes sense in the same way that holy water makes sense. But Hammer Dracula definitely says, Oh, so is that that. why he fucking went to England? Because Dracula doesn't recognize the authority of the Church of England? I mean, who does? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, Hammer really plays fast and loose with it because they definitely have moments where somebody just grabs two pieces of wood and make a cross out of it. And Dracula's like, oh. Hammer had fucking nine movies to fill. They were just doing whatever would kill runtime. I will say that back in the day, especially in the early 20th century and before, different kinds of crosses are very, very important. The different types. I know. I. I'm calling veto on treating the savior execution method like Pokemon. There can't be sure. catch them all, catch all the different crosses. No, 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 no. But I, I do want to, I, I do want to come back around to the idea that he was wearing this kind of yes. other icon. Yes, because no, that would be important to know, like, because if that wasn't some little, like a little like, and he's extra foreign, Jewish. Yeah, I mean, and, like, I, then yeah, that would be good context. Yes, but I believe that his, you know, he would qualify as other the same way that a Jewish character would qualify as other in a movie like this, especially at this time. So I think that that's valid, even though if he's not, he's not wearing legit a Star of David, he is wearing a cross, but it is, you know, at this point, it might as well be a Star of David because it is so different from the, uh, the prevailing form of christianity that we're seeing this through so there's that and then there i do think again as amazing as martin is it is a and i i think this is a little bit of class and everything you got with england or regionism i don't fucking know but again it is a bit of a stereotypical choice to have the one cockney character be this very like slapstick comedy figure who is kind of presented as like a little like as lower intelligence yeah like sort of like you know i think it's a deliberate choice that they use like a cockney accent for this character the way we might you know you might see like a southern accent used in a lot of stereotypically like low intelligence characters your cletus is from simpsons yeah that vein of character yeah i want to say that i mean the, the transylvanian locals in Bram's well, who Dracula. doesn't love a classic superstitious village full of peasants, which I guess I always just treat as something so hokey and throwback it, it like it's not real enough to be commented on. But I guess this is what parts of Hungary still were in 1931. I think it's it's definitely less. I mean, all of their superstitions are 100 percent accurate. The people of the village are a lot more developed. We see a, um, a glimpse into their lives. You know, yeah, they have, they kind of read as superstitious and... So they're not just weird grunting thieves who then throw merchants out of carriages for no reason to start a Hammer film? That's what I'm saying. Is Yes, exactly. Like, they, in this case, they are people in this movie. You know, in other movies, they are Dracula's minions. Oh, yeah, so these are fully fleshed, I'm not fully fleshed out, but they are human beings who are presented as human, like they are intelligent, again... All of their wards to drive off Dracula work. Yes. Now let's talk about another strange bit of representation in this film, which is Dracula's menagerie of creatures. We see bats on strings. We hear wolves. We see pipe cleaner spiders. But the real creatures that star in this film are the native fauna of apparently there's a very specific microclimate in Dracula's castle where you have North American marsupials and armadillos. That was great, the Dracula's armadillos. Why have Dracula's armadillos never shown up as a bo- as enemies in a Castlevania game? So, yeah, I mean, mainly because armadillos and, and opossums, which both appear, are strictly American animals. Like, Implying it's like if that there's a whole separate adventure 
where Dracula went to America and brought back a few pet like armadillos and opossums to live in his castle. I want to see Dracula and his marsupial sidekick friend adventure across, I don't know, nighttime Arizona. Uh, near dark. Um, yeah, that does describe it. Oh, there you go. So I found an article on Medium by a user named Toothpickings where there's a little bit of research done into the reason why perhaps armadillos appeared in this film. There's no mention of the possum, which I think they just want us to think is a big rat, which is, you know, what a lot of people think possums are at the beat. You know, they've never seen a possum before. Very different, very important parts of our ecosystem. Like they eat ticks and they don't carry disease. They appreciated in watching the Spanish Dracula's. There's completely different footage of the animals. They're oh, really? all still represented there. But the possum in in Spanish Dracula is walking across the surface and totally fucking wipes out the image. The possum is just walking along and just tanks off the side of this wall. Oh no. I was like, that's an interesting take to keep. Poor yeah, I hope he was just playing. So this is a lot of this is speculation from what I can tell, but one of the explanations that does kind of have since carry some weight is that armadillos, especially in the American Southwest where they are known, are the only other animal than humans that carry leprosy. And so they are associated with plague, much like rats and bats. So there was there's a theory that because they had armadillos and because that they they also carry disease, that they are some sort of they're they're another form of disease carrying creature that also they they also frequent graveyards because they like and they're nocturnal because they like to, you know, eat grubs and stuff and anywhere where there's a lot of fertile soil or, or you know, tilled soil. Yeah, they find they a lot dig, of food. They dig and they were associated with with graveyards and i know like at one point it was thought that they you know dug into graves and ate cadavers which is obviously not true okay. knowing armadillos as we do now well I'm, I'm glad this movie did not use real cadavers probably for the best and you know vampires and disease especially like the std conversation that mina had with jonathan the disease theme is there for sure but i thought it was interesting i also think it was because they're in Hollywood and they have armadillos around. But yeah, Jonathan, speaking of Jonathan, after Mina gets attacked by Dracula, she is talking about her symptoms. And I guess for courtesy, she has the scarf around her neck to hide her puncture wounds, which we never really see. And she's talking about all of her symptoms of, you know, waking up, feeling anemic and things like that. And Jonathan says, why don't we talk about something nicer? Why don't we think about something more charming? Fucking Jonathan. Yeah. John oh, oh, I hate Jonathan in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And and his like, utter shock that she has anything to say that is interesting or individual or unique. Like it's this this movie is so different from Bram Stoker's original. It's not at all full of potential gay icons. It doesn't have no. You know, sexy no, cowboy. Not a sexy cowboy in the land. Our fucking HRD Grant doctor became Dr. Dad and not even a hot dad. Just a boring British dad. Yeah, I do wonder how much of that is a result of it being adapted from a play. Because, like, if you're doing this as a play, I mean, having a, a, a full-on cowboy in a play, I think, doesn't doesn't quite play play as well. Um, Disagree. <laughs> just have him on That's stage. Regardless the of the play. Yeah. There should be Lay Miz should have just had a fucking a cowboy swinging with a knife. Also, how great is it? Just like instead of like again, points for Bram Stoker's Dracula, where instead of just being staked off screen, we just get like um like so many shots of Dracula just getting fucking knifed to fucking pieces. They spend so much time showing Dracula getting stabbed and slashed at the end of that. They I mean, fuck yeah. him up. Nosferatu yeah. also had a lot more like Nosferatu was more German, heavy, guttural, really? violent, violent. It, there was a lot more monster man sucking on necks in that movie. Yeah, Ben, you're right that, you know, they could have gotten a lot more running out of vocabulary. Just going to say uh, neck sucky. I mean, I'm always the one here who advocates for more gore and blood and violence. I mean, that's that's valid. 
But, you know, they could have done, like, actual neck sucking in this. Bella Lugosi doesn't get to suck neck. Yeah. Let Lugosi suck neck. Yeah, every time we see, the closest we get is we see him close his cape around people, which is, you know, iconic in its own right, but not not particularly sexy. This is a pretty unsexy Dracula overall, especially, you know, after seeing the Bram Stoker's Dracula version. Christopher it, Lee. Yeah, it's it's not particularly sexy. It's less queer. It's less feminist. No matter how much I try to monkey wrench Van Helsing Dracula into something. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Mina has very little of a personality whatsoever. I, are, are you saying it's dies not too sexy? Quick to have one. That, like, a solid 15% of the movie is just extreme close-ups on Bella Lugosi looking like he's trying not to fart? I thought he was sexy. I thought his looks, the look that he gave Mina as he approached her, like coming into the camera, seemed a bit like sad, which is weird. Have we gotten a true sad boy? Well, I guess, yeah. Gary Oldman is the sad boy Dracula. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like the shadowed face with the highlighted eyes. I don't like the clearly somebody shining a light in his eyes from off stage. You know, look as much of them trying to make it look like his eyes are glowing. Yeah, um, that's a real 1931 being like, we don't know how to do this, but we're going to just try something. Yeah, the, the only thing I think that this movie did better as far as the progressive politics side is class. Like Bram Stoker's Dracula could give a flying fuck about poor people. Yes, I do like that. Like Renfield plays more of a plot. Yes, yeah. I've, I like this. I feel like this movie is a lot more about Renfield. Yeah, like it's not just Tom Waits showing up every now and then to eat some worms. I mean, Tom Tom Waits is a pretty fucking serious. Not that, yeah, not that I don't fucking love that. I've, of yeah. course I did. I mean, Harker doesn't but, ever leave London in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. like it's all Renfield. Renfield going, Renfield coming back. Yeah, like, I really like when he's introduced back in the asylum, like, and he's saying, like, no one would want to eat flies. And Martin's like, but you do. Like, not if I can get a fat, juicy spider. These two, like, are ready for a Three Stooges routine. I mean, yeah, but that scene where he talks about Dracula bringing him the army of rats. Oh, right. he Really, like, painted the wall with that. Also, I like how this establishes Dracula's mist cloud is red and not green, which I think is way better. I mean, yeah, it feels like a, it's like a, a blood mist almost. Yes. But... Blood mist is better than the stink cloud. All right. Do do we think this movie we're seeing? Do we recommend people check it out? Yeah, definitely. I, if you're, like... Again, like it has great historical context. If you're like feeling yourself as a film buff and you want to like really see how things developed and started and evolved, like it's definitely it's super, super fucking essential, like for the history of film. But honestly, like if you're just looking for if you're looking for like a fun horror movie to like put on on a Saturday, there's a there's better Dracula movies out there. It's not a fun Dracula movie. It is a. It's downbeat. It's atmospheric. And that's what we have going for it. And it's, I think it's very important to see Bella Lugosi in action. It's much better to look at than it is to watch, honestly. Like, it's, yeah. it's you know, it has some good shots and some very, like we said, iconic stuff. It is, you know, shorter than an episode of Stranger Things. So, like, you know, you can just chuck it in and, and watch it in just a little more than an hour. I would definitely recommend Spanish Dracula. It's kind of wild. It's uh, too casually mentioned that they just had to they just had to kill a lady who was turned into a vampire between scenes at one point. Yeah, it's yeah. I actually think uh, I actually think the Spanish version is a little better. Carlos Villarreal, who plays Spanish Dracula, is extremely expressive. He looks great. Give some right big eyes. Yeah. They also do the shot of his of him glamoring people a lot different. I'm going to send you guys an image of what it looks like when you get glamored by Spanish Dracula as compared to English speaking Dracula. In, we in should Twitter. we should definitely post these images when we post the episode because I think you know our listeners deserve to see this incredible yeah. lips into our Dracula. Yeah, this Spanish Ava or Spanish Mina. Spanish Mina got it going on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. She's unsurprising. Spanish Dracula is just as a movie is much hotter than English Dracula. Yeah, I'd fucking um, hope so. 
But so would that be your movie that you would recommend? I mean, yeah, you've already recommended it, but it, it's one of your recommendations for I think somebody's into Dracula. I think that that's worth checking out is uh, like just just for the the strange trivia of it, if nothing else, but also because I think it's actually better. And I, I if you find the right you know DVD or or you can probably watch it right there with that one. But uh, it has a little interview. The version I watched has a little interview with Lupita Tovar who played Eva about like them coming in at nights and filming on the same sets. And you can see there are a couple of places where like they must have filmed after the American crew because uh, Spanish Van Helsing does not destroy the coffin lid. It just doesn't have a lid. And then he picks a piece of it from behind the coffin to stab Dracula. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's oh, still they tracks. were only paying for the yep. one coffin. Okay. Oh man. He, he couldn't afford the three. Yeah. Alas. Yeah, I think that's worth checking out. Ben, what recommendations do you have for this one? I'm going to recommend The Bear. It has absolutely nothing to do with Dracula or horror, but it's real good. And if you haven't seen it yet, you definitely should. Yeah, I, I drew a fucking blank on this one this week. I'm sorry, y'all. I let man. you down. No, no. I'm sure I'm sure Dracula likes a good chopped steak sandwich. Yeah, I, I would. Does au jus sauce, cl- is that close enough to blood for Dracula? I, I think never it should drink. be. Au jus. It never, ooh, <laughs> that can be translated, the delivery of that. Yeah. It's a bit rough. I like, I <laughs> liked it. <laughs> I mean, sad if Dracula could never drink a jus. That's definitely the word. I keep coming back to like, I keep coming back to them like, I think I could be okay not seeing the sun. I feel like not getting to eat food again, like only being stuck to blood, like, Unless their blood was fucking amazing or had a whole bunch of different varieties, like, oh, I'd be really missing just like, you know, like Oreos. So you'd be cool being Rockula, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ralph can even go out during the day. There is no downsides to being a vampire in the Rockula universe. Yeah, it's yeah. just Ralph's life in particular that sucks. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with being a vampire. It's just because he's Ralph. Yeah, everything to do with being Ralph. Because his hot mom keeps arranging for his girlfriend. Yeah, you could be you could be the hot mom, and your life is amazing, and apparently has been for hundreds of years. I mean, especially if you're a Dracula mom and you're not actually like giving birth to the to your Dracula son, you just like find some kid and you're like, you're my son now. Like interview with a vampire, but not creepy. Hmm. That's uh, that's a bit challenging, but anyway, Emily. What's your recommendation? Nosferatu, uh, definitely the the silent version, the Werner Herzog version. Hopefully, we'll get to it. It's kind of interesting as well. But what I really want to recommend now that you've mentioned the Dracula in Spanish is the series Los Espookies, which is oh, a been, I've been very much meaning to see that very fun Lorne Michaels produced show, almost all if not all in Spanish about a Mexican family and the mostly this one guy that just really likes to make special effects and and his friends. So it's it's about several families actually and it's very goofy in that yeah you have some good down to earth character work and then you have some people talking to like undines and getting trapped in mirrors and shit. So it's it's all over the place and it's it's very good. It's very funny. I love it. 10 out of 10. And that's on HBO Max. I don't know where else you can see it, but I've seen a bunch of episodes and love it. So that's it's, Los Espookies. Yeah. Two Los Espookies. That's definitely one that's on my list to check out. I think it's on FX originally. Okay. But yeah, it's on easily accessible on, on HBO Max. Well, I, I think that's about it for us on this one. And if you uh, want to find us online and get up with us about this, you can... Uh, Reach Emily at Megamoth on Twitter or Mega underscore Moth on Instagram or Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at BenTheCon and on their website at BenConComics.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 and on my website at JeremyWhitley.com. Uh, and of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified. Our website at ProgressivelyHorrified.Transistor.FM. And on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod, where we'd love to hear from you. And speaking of loving to hear from you, we'd love it if you'd rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Five stars helps us find new listeners, helps the podcast continue to grow and us keep doing what we're doing. Thanks again for all of you for joining us. Thanks to Ben and Emily, as always. And until next time, stay horrified. 
Progressively Horrified is created by Jeremy Whitley and edited by Alicia Whitley. This episode featured the Horror Squad, Jeremy, Ben, and Emily. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and do not represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. And if you like this episode, let us know! You can get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye! I forgot to mention the Velma girl in the beginning. <laughs>